From the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network studios in Des Moines, this is Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Riley Smith. In today's show, Mark continues his conversation with Josh Putman of BASF about the newly approved Certain herbicide. I have the latest South America update with Allendale commodity broker Greg McBride. And Andy discusses ADM's regenerations program with Theo Gunther as that program heads into year two. Now here are your hosts for today, Mark Magnuson and Andy Peterson. Hey, Riley, it's a beautiful Wednesday on Iowa Ag Matters. Dustin out today, resting his vocal cords ahead of his big trip to cover Commodity Classic for his mark in. And um, boy, what a what a meeting last night I was able to uh, attend and, and cover with our friends at ADM, their regenerations program, big crowd. I, I sense, Mark, attitudes are starting to change a little bit on the emissions scoring side of things, too, which I would say is progress. And in what way do you mean by that, Andy? I, I guess I'm not fully dialed in on the emissions right now. Well, and it's, you know, a, a multifaceted conversation, as you know, but there was, as opposed to the same meeting a year ago, uh, where ADM basically was rolling out their uh, emission scoring program in partnership with uh, a couple of, of other entities, uh, including basically it's the GREET model. It's a, a standardized uh, sort of definitions, I guess, of, of carbon emissions and, and how that's calculated. But there were a lot of questions last year, and certainly there were a lot of opinions that got expressed. Last night, it was more of, hey, how do we make this work? How do we apply it to what we're doing? Uh, where does this fit? That type of thing. So what a difference a year makes, huh? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, you know, also we've uh, something we talked a lot about this week is just finding new revenue streams and diversifying those revenue streams on your farm. So I'm not shocked to hear that people, you know, are their ears are perking up and they're interested. Yeah, we'll hear from Theo a little bit later on. Lots to cover, of course, today, including the marketplace after a nice update in soybeans yesterday. Are we continuing? Mark, let's uh, start that conversation now. You've got Jim McCormick with uh, agmarket.net standing by. Joined today by Jim McCormick of agmarket.net for our opening market discussion. Jim, what are we seeing taking place in the grains? Unfortunately, we're seeing a little bit of weakness. Uh, we had a nice little rebound coming out of the three-day weekend, um, but you know, even that rally throughout the day, at least in the corn and beans, could not be sustained. And uh, unfortunately, the night market, we've given back even more. Uh, plain and simple, uh, we got a little bit excited yesterday. Uh, rumors of China coming in. China did come in and buy it, Mark, but unfortunately it was Brazilian beans. I heard up to 12 cargoes of beans traded, all Brazilian, and hence the bean market kind of giving back a good chunk of yesterday's rally. Corn market, I think, had a little bit of a dead cap bounce, but it ran into some technical selling. The reality is near term, at least in the next few days of trading, there's a lot of farmers out there that have a lot of bushels under a March basis contract. They've got to make a decision here by the end of the week in most elevators. Are they going to price that grain or are they going to roll it out to the May contract? It's kind of a no-win situation, especially in the corn. When you look how cheap corn is, but you look up how wide that carry is, trading 13 cents today, and I think that is going to be a limiting factor, at least temporarily, for rallies, because if we do get a rally, I think you will see some producers try to jump on it and go ahead and move that grain instead of rolling it. But like I said, the clock's ticking for the decision to be made. Speaking of Brazilian soybeans, like you mentioned, that purchase made by China, we've gotten reports about the speed of the harvest taking place there, and it kind of leads to some questions about the quality of the bean crop. Jim, what are your thoughts along those lines? Well, right now, yeah, I mean, there are some issues of the quality right now, but obviously the Chinese are balking about it because they bought, like I said, they just bought 12 cargoes. Um, but the speed is there. I mean, and, you know, the problem you got right now, Mark, is we're just not, we're just not competitively priced. That's not unusual. 
anymore for this time of year. Brazil's harvesting. They're cheaper than us. So, um, you know, that's where we're at. Now the real question is, what is the size of the crop? The government put it around that 155 to 157. Uh, I think there's one of the more prominent crop guessers put it at 145. There's other groups talking sub 140. That's where the really dynamic is going to be. If we could get further into that harvest and find out the talk of the sub 140 or near 140, that would hopefully do wonders to get this market to at least get that spring bounce we're all looking for. Thank you to Jim McCormick of agmarket.net. Joins us every Wednesday here on Iowa Ag Matters. It's time now to move into the three big Iowa Ag Matters with Andy Peterson. Number three. Projecting growth, although slower than the past, in milk production in 2024, according to Michael McConnell of the USDA's chief economist's office. Overall, we see milk production projected to continue growing, but at a decreasing rate from what we've seen in recent years. Feed prices are projected to be lower in the upcoming year, but we're expecting tighter global markets for dairy products, which are going to provide price support. And as a result, we're expecting to see a fair amount of price competition in the upcoming year as uh, both domestic and international users compete for products that are in relatively tighter markets. He says the good news for U.S. dairy farmers is it will cost less to feed their animals in 2024. Number two. Starting the survey of planting intentions here in Iowa is USDA's National Ag Statistics Service Upper Midwest Regional Office, where Greg Tesson, the director, says that the March Agricultural Survey, quote, provides the data that underpin projections, making it one of the most important surveys, quote, we conduct each year. Now he says NASA will mail the survey to about 2,300 producers in February, yet asking them to provide information about the types of crops they intend to grow in 2024. Number one. Continuing to grow the emissions scoring system from ADM, a partnership with Farmers Business Network, and new applications will be accepted shortly, according to Theo Gunther. We'll be looking to open up enrollment options for farmers beginning in March, uh, and that'll continue through the growing season. Um, so there's, uh, there's options for, for farmers to participate. Uh, for a variety of practices, cover crops, uh, mission scoring, carbon intensity scoring, and uh, and options for uh, mixing and matching with with public programs and and things that people might already be doing. He says admadvantage.com is the website to learn more. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. Are you ready to diversify your farm income? Sweetwater Technologies, powered by GRIP, is offering the next generation of agricultural entrepreneurs turnkey owner-operated drone business partnerships. Together we can grow and empower agricultural communities through technological solutions. It is our vision to build economic growth for future generations. Apply today to become a business partner and join our journey on the road to 1 million acres at sweetwatertechnologies.com. Mark, coming up, we'll get to continue your conversation with Josh Putman. A lot of new herbicides uh, getting EPA approval this time of the year. And so for those who may have uh, missed it or don't remember yesterday, sort of recap uh, what you guys discussed to, uh, to set up where you'll go here today on Iowa Ag Matters. Yeah, Andy, this is the new herbicide from BASF. It is Sertain, a corn herbicide. And the thing that always fascinates me when we get to this point of the development stage for a new product like this is hearing the team behind it talk about it. And it takes a full, you know, seven, eight, ten years to get these products fully from the start point to this end point, and they still aren't even to the end point because, yes, they've received EPA registration, now have to go through those steps to get the state-by-state -state registration and the go-ahead as well. But that is the process currently, and we will be joined by Josh Putman coming up next as we continue the conversation about certain herbicide here on Iowa Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network.
On the cutting edge, of course, here on the Iowa Ag Matters program, Andy and Mark today. And the newest herbicide, the GAIN EPA approval, is what we're talking about. Uh, here's what you need to know. Mark Magnuson for the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, and I'm joined today by Josh Putman with BASF. He is a specialist with the Certain platform. And Josh, when we talk about this Certain herbicide, it has now been approved by the EPA. So Josh, in your mind, where does Certain improve upon previous herbicide options the most? You know, I would say that this new technology is, so Certain is a solid encapsulation technology. And what that means is we took the active ingredient Sharpen and we encapsulated it to make that active ingredient safe to now put over the top of corn all the way up to V3 stage. And so what that has done is allowed us to apply this product as a pre-emerge residual weed control and gives us the flexibility to then control weeds up through the V3 growth stage of corn, which in some cases of the weed species that we have can grow and emerge uh, over a very long ex- uh, extended period of time. And so by combining two of these residual products, we've ultimately been able to allow for the flexibility to apply it early. And knowing the way that mother nature is, we have the ability to continue those applications up through emerged corn. So lots of options and lots of flexibility, but when you get down to the brass tacks, Josh, how does Certain do with those tough weeds that we know about, those weeds that are always causing problems, thinking about Palmer amaranth, in specific water hemp as well, how do they do? Yeah, Certain is, in all of the trials that we have conducted, we've conducted hundreds of field trials at the tech service level, as well as our biology level. And for Palmer amaranth and water hemp in particular, those two really hard to control pigweed species, we are getting excellent control of those. Um, You know, specifically in the Midwest, those two weeds are probably number one and number two, depending on where you're located throughout the Midwest. Uh, They change um, depending on your geography. But being able to control those weeds before they come out of the ground, we have seen excellent control um, and basically giving us the opportunity to hold those weeds at bay and allowing that corn to ultimately get canopied and yeah, provide us um, just superior weed control late in the se- or early in the season. So Josh, for our growers here in Iowa, who should be contemplating potentially using Certain? Should it be all growers of corn? Should it be a specific subset? Who would you recommend? Yeah, so Certain is, is going to be a multi-use type herbicide, but this product works really well um, on, you know, the conventional type soils where the soils can, can warm up very quickly. Um, ultimately we're, we're positioning this product as a pre-emerge herbicide. So getting this product out there early in the growing season, I would recommend it to any grower, um, that believes in, you know, the, the early pre-emerge type applications. And then knowing that, while not all products uh, are guaranteed that this product has the flexibility to have tank mix options, as well as the ability to come back um, with other products to help control weeds um, later in the growing season if needed. Josh Putman with BASF joining us here today to tell us all about Certain. Josh, thanks so much for the time and best of luck with this herbicide product going forward. I know, like you said, there's been a lot of hard work put into it. Yeah, do appreciate the time here today. Thank you. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. 
In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa Ag News and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. And we also host a long-format weekend radio program called Weekend Ag Matters. The network's content footprint also includes a growing digital presence, including our daily e-newsletter called Ag Matters Daily, our website, which features our daily news stories at iowaagnet.com, along with a daily YouTube Ag News program called Ag Matters PM. We are also active on Facebook, X, LinkedIn, and TikTok, and provide free daily market podcasts twice per day. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. Justin out today, as I mentioned, Riley will look around the state and update your cash prices. Next, here on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, stay with us. Time now to take a look at the statewide basis prices here in the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. I'm Riley Smith. Taking a look at cash bids around the state, first on corn, ADM in Burlington for corn is 12 under at 405, soybeans 5 cents under at 1167, Cargill in Eddyville for corn is even with the market price at 417, New Cooperative in Algona 13 under at 404, soybeans 55 under at 1117, Ag State in Sheldon corn 10 cents over at 427, soybeans 68 under at 1104, Ag State in Alta for corn 20 under at 397, soybeans 62 under at 1110, Cargill in Cedar Rapids for corn even with the market price at 417, soybeans 15 under at 1157, Nexus Co-op in Marble Rock corn 10 cents under at 407, soybeans 55 under at 1117, Lincoln Way Ethanol in Nevada Corn two cents under at four fifteen. ADM in Des Moines soybeans twelve cents under at eleven sixty. New Cooperative in Red Oak corn ten cents under at four oh seven. Soybeans forty five under at eleven twenty seven. Mid Iowa Cooperative in Green Mountain corn twenty four under at three ninety three. Soybeans fifty two under at eleven twenty. New Cooperative in Sheraton corn twenty five under at three ninety two. Soybeans fifty under at eleven twenty two. Walk on feed ranch corn 18 under at 399, soybeans 58 under at 1114. New cooperative in Glidden corn 13 under at 404, soybeans 50 under at 1122. Innovative Ag Services in Farley corn 17 under at $4 even, soybeans 53 under at 1119. And Cargill in Muscatine corn 10 cents under at 407, soybeans 6 cents under at 1166. As a reminder, cash corn and soybean prices are subject to change without notice, so call your local elevator for the latest prices. We'll have more on Iowa Ag Matters right after this. Hi, my name is Ethan Smith, and I've been a certified crop advisor in Iowa for about six years. The Iowa CCA program is valuable to me because it helps keep me informed on new topics and research around the industry, including soils, insects, diseases, and much more. It's also a great way to network with others around the state and beyond. Iowa is known for its crops, and that's why we're here. To learn more about becoming a certified crop advisor, visit iowacca.org. Stick around here on Iowa Ag Matters. We still have plenty more to go for today. Up next, Mark and Andy will be back as Andy talks with Theo Gunther of ADM about the Regenerations program and how things are going heading into year two. We've got all that and more coming up on Iowa Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network.
Year two of the ADM Regenerations program taking place this year. And Andy Peterson having the chance to speak with Theo Gunther of ADM here recently. That's coming up next year on IWAG Matters. A lot of interesting things going into this, including the emission side of it, how farmers are viewing that, what kind of benefits they can get from getting involved in this program. Here is Andy with Theo. Nice crowd of farmers at the uh, hotel at Kirkwood. As uh, we've, I've actually been here quite a bit. Different uh, meetings. It's become quite the popular spot to uh, to gather. This one, a dinner meeting hosted by EDM, the Regenerations Program, where Iowa Ag Matters advocate Theo Gunther was uh, leading the presentation. So, great night. A lot of information. I know that uh, you were happy to to present, and the crowd was pretty engaged to hear it all too. Yeah. So we have uh, a good a good uh, range of of. Uh have information about our different uh, different business offers to farmers and our different programs, and so um, range of, range of things covered tonight: farm direct fertilizer uh, origination and the regenerations program as well. So let's uh, talk a little bit about that regenerations program. Getting into year number two here with uh, it opening for registrations in March. That's correct. So we'll have the the regen uh, regenerations program uh, from ADM. Uh, we'll be looking to open up enrollment options for farmers beginning in March, uh, and that'll continue through the growing season. Um, so there's uh, there's options for for farmers to participate uh, for a variety of practices, cover crops, uh, mission scoring, carbon intensity scoring, and uh, and options for uh, mixing and matching with with public programs and, and things that people might already be doing. So when we talked a year ago. Similar meeting, or maybe over on the other side of Cedar Rapids, but uh, what has changed since then in regard to emission scoring? Have attitudes changed some? It maybe seemed like that tonight. Well, I think I think that people are getting more information. So there's there's more there's more buzz out there. People are learning more about how they can uh, score their farm, how they can get that information about about the crops they produce, um, and and then once you're armed with that information, you're you're in a better position to make decisions. So. That's what this meeting was about, um, telling people about what our program offers, why we're offering it, and uh, and then you know putting the farmer in the driver's seat for, for making those decisions. We've heard a lot recently, and this may get off into the weeds a little bit, about what model should be used. And obviously there's a strong push to have the something called the GREET model as the standard. Kind of explain that a little bit as far as uh, what kind of a difference that can or will make. So I'm I'm by no stretch of the imagination the the most uh, informed person on on the nuances of the GREET model, uh, but what it does is it it provides a an estimate of of carbon emissions associated with both the production of the feedstocks that go into producing a biofuel and also uh, emissions that are that are occurring at the production step as well. So um, we're focused on on farmers getting that score and understanding what their farm uh, what their farm has, and um, and then. You know, using that information to, to calculate a score and be eligible for different incentives. One of the other things you mentioned, Farm Direct Fertilizer, that I found interesting is a biological product called BioWish that actually will contribute to um, the premium for carbon intensity score as well. Yeah, so the, the product BioWish that we have available through ADM Farm Direct Fertilizer uh, can be added to, to any of the dry products that are, are going out from those, from those terminals. Um, our, our goal is to, to quantify the, the benefit associated with using that product to both yield and also to fertilizer use efficiency. So uh, when farmers are, are using a product like that, if there is a improvement in the carbon intensity score of their, of their crop as a result of using it, then we want to be able to calculate that and uh, incentivize that. 
How do we find out more about anything that we just talked about? So our, our website, admadvantage.com slash regen, is going to have the most up-to-date information. Currently, it only includes information about our 2023 programs, but as our 24 programs are rolled out, um, information about um, where to sign up, information about the, about the incentives that are available in both Iowa and beyond um, will be will be available on that website. Always great to see you, Theo. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Thanks so much to Theo Gunther of ADM for joining us on the program today. As we now turn our attention to the three big Iowa Ag matters, here's Andy. Number three. Projecting growth, although slower than the past, in milk production in 2024, according to Michael McConnell of the USDA's chief economist's office. Overall, we see milk production projected to continue growing, but at a decreasing rate from what we've seen in recent years. Feed prices are projected to be lower in the upcoming year, but we're expecting tighter global markets for dairy products, which are going to provide price support. And as a result, we're expecting to see a fair amount of price competition in the upcoming year as uh, both domestic and international users compete for products that are in relatively tighter markets. He says the good news for U.S. dairy farmers is it will cost less to feed their animals in 2024. Number two. Starting the survey of planting intentions here in Iowa's USDA's National Ag Statistics Service Upper Midwest Regional Office, where Greg Tesson, the director, says that the March Agricultural Survey, quote, provides the data that underpin projections, making it one of the most important surveys, quote, we conduct each year. Now he says NAS will mail the survey to about 2,300 producers in February yet, asking them to provide information about the types of crops they intend to grow in 2024. Number one. Continuing to grow the emissions scoring system from ADM, a partnership with Farmers Business Network, and new applications will be accepted shortly, according to Theo Gunther. We'll be looking to open up enrollment options for farmers beginning in March, uh, and that'll continue through the growing season. Um, so there's, uh, there's options for, for farmers to participate. Uh, for a variety of practices, cover crops, uh, mission scoring, carbon intensity scoring, and uh, and options for uh, mixing and matching with with public programs and and things that people might already be doing. He says admadvantage.com is the website to learn more. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. Listening to your conversation with Theo Gunther of ADM, Andy, brings the question to me, you know, last year, the first year of the ADM Regenerations Program, I know they had good numbers involved, but I would imagine looking to boost those numbers up even more this year, what did they talk about in in terms of kind of those expectations? Yeah, I'm not sure that there is a target necessarily as far as number of participants. Um, Obviously, I see some improvements on uh, premiums, but also the timing of the payments uh, and synchronizing that a little bit better with grain delivery in uh, the second year of the program. And of course, also looking ahead to um, to next year and that uh, Section 45Z of the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, potential premium for sustainable aviation fuel. So there's a lot of moving parts to say the least. And, and yet uh, producers obviously have to get started somewhere. It certainly helps out in a time of lower commodity prices. Uh, Mark and I take a look at those market numbers in just a moment.
This is the Midday Market Update on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Corn is trading lower today and has wiped out all of yesterday's gains to make new contract lows in both the March and May contracts. An improvement in South American weather and cheaper Ukrainian corn offers have put pressure on futures. Brazil's second crop corn now estimated to be over 45% planted, which compares to 33% at this time last year. Some analysts believe that 25% to 30% of the crop was planted outside the ideal window, which could result in a smaller crop than the USDA is forecasting. The current administration has approved a request by governors in the Midwest to allow year-round sales of gasoline with 15% ethanol beginning in 2025. Soybeans are trading lower after yesterday's higher close and have erased all of those gains and then some as large South American crop looms along with an expected increase in planted soybean acres in the U.S. Both soybean meal and oil trading lower today, with March bean oil trading near its contract lows. Higher crude oil prices have not been supportive as palm oil has dragged soybean oil down with it. Brazil's soybean crop now estimated to be over 30 percent harvested, estimates for total production still being lowered. AgriConsult sees production at 152.2 million metric tons, a reduction of 1.6 million metric tons. That's the latest on the grains. Here's Andy Peterson with more livestock news. Mark, let's go in-depth here into the livestock market starting beef-wise, where daily estimated slaughter totals come in at 125,000 head, same as a week ago, 1,000 less than a year ago. Boxes are stronger here at midday on decent movement. 66 loads of choice boxes selling 28 cents higher to 297.37. Select up 42 cents, 287.82 on 17 loads of sales. And that spread is essentially flat at $9.55. Pork-wise, daily estimated slaughter total numbers coming in at 490,000 head. That's 4,000 more than a week ago and 8,000 more than a year ago. Cash markets, well, let's go with um, the uh, USDA's daily direct afternoon hog report from yesterday. Wrap up the trade, where we finished with a pretty light run of barrels and gilts. Producers sold on a carcass basis, negotiated purchase-wise. 2200 head and some change. Weighted average price was higher by $0.82 cents to $70.25 a hundredweight. As far as formula purchases go, 147000 head of sales. Weighted average price of $77.68. Well, that market was up by $1.40. Now, the midday update here today. We've got a pretty good day going in negotiated purchases. Nearly 4000 head of sales. And the weighted average price is seventy two forty eight, so we're basically flat there. Formula purchases one hundred and eight thousand head of movement. Weighted average price seventy eight eighty nine, two dollars and forty cents stronger in that market. You might think Iowa just grows corn, but the truth is, corn grows Iowa. Hi, I'm Stu Swanson, a farmer from Galt, Iowa, and the first vice president of the Iowa Corn Growers Association. Whether you're planting, harvesting, or anywhere in between, as a member of the Iowa Corn Growers Association, you're also actively advocating for our industry. As an ICGA member, you have a voice lobbying on ag issues at the state and federal levels on priorities that impact your farm. Join us today at iowacorn.org join. March corn down seven and a half at 411 and a quarter. March soybeans down 12 and a half at 11.66 and a half. March soybean meal down five even at 3.42.60. March soybean oil down 40 cents at 45.01. On the Merck, April live cattle up 90 cents at 188.22. March feeder cattle up 30 cents at 251.67. April lean hogs up seven cents at 85.75. That was a check of the midday markets on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson.
Always keeping an eye on the markets here on Iowa Ag Matters, and we turn our attention now to the livestock as we are joined by Jim McCormick of agmarket.net. What's happening with the other side of the ag marketplace in the livestock complex? All right, now, overall, I mean, the cattle market, you can't complain. It made a new high move yesterday or on Friday, a little bit of consolidation yesterday. Overall, the trend's up. Um, and I think overall, the demand should stay relatively stout. Stock market's seen a little bit of weakness this morning. We've got a couple big earnings out. One of the big AI company chip companies comes out today. We'll see what, how that reacts to it. But overall, if you look at consumer confidence, it continues to improve coming into the springtime. I think that hopefully is a good sign for demand. Combine that with a very tight supply we're seeing. Hopefully that continues to be a recipe for uh, the bull market to continue. Jim, what's the situation with hogs? Is it just a, a firmer standing right now based on kind of natural correction, or is there something you think that's causing the hogs to have a little bit of a better run here? Tighter supply, you know, seasonality, I think is part of it. Part of it is, um, you know, the coattail run of the light of the cattle market, seeing the tight supply there, and just maybe a little bit better consumer optimism. One thing we do got to keep an eye out on uh, the hog market in general is China's not bought a lot of hogs recently here and there, but China is a huge indicator of the hog market. China just cut its interest rate here again, trying to stimulate their economy. If they can get that economy going, that should hopefully uh, continue to pro- help propel the hog market to higher highs. One more thing I wanted to mention was, what's the current situation with wheat? Saw the wheat go up a little bit yesterday. Wondering what the situation was there. Right now, I think there's a little bit of short covering coming in. You do have first notice day coming in pretty quick. Um, I think on the Chicago wheat specifically, China has bought a lot of Chicago wheat. They haven't taken delivery of it. I think that kind of propelled us up. But the problem with the wheat market right now is we are not competitively priced. If somebody in the world wants to buy wheat at a discount, they can get it from the Russians cheaper than us. But like I said, I think yesterday was a little bit more of a short covering in front of that first notice day. Jim McCormick of agmarket.net, our guest here today. Jim, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch for more marketing information? You can reach me directly at 815-665-0461. Reach any of the Ag Market team members at 844-424-6758. Thanks so much for the time here today. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks for having me on. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. And we also host a long-format weekend radio program called Weekend Ag Matters. The network's content footprint also includes a growing digital presence, including our daily e-newsletter called Ag Matters Daily, our website, which features our daily news stories at iowaagnet.com, along with a daily YouTube ag news program called Ag Matters PM. We are also active on Facebook, X, LinkedIn, and TikTok, and provide free daily market podcasts twice per day. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. It's Iowa Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. And of course, yes, we are very much Iowa-based, but we also keep an eye on the world of agriculture, which we need to do. And Riley Smith, joined by Greg McBride of Allendale, coming up next, they will discuss South America, including a situation in Argentina. Do you remember the ship getting stuck in the Suez Canal a few years ago? Not quite like that, but a similar situation to what we've seen in the United States with lower water levels that have made it difficult to traverse those rivers. That's coming up next here on Iowa Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network.
talked earlier this week when we saw the jump in the soybeans on Monday about a ship running aground down in South America. Well, concern over the shipping industry here as well with low river levels. Riley Smith with more on that with Greg McBride at Allendale. Uh, first off, Greg, what's the latest weather patterns looking like for Brazil and Argentina? Well, still good rain across uh, Brazil in the one to five day forecast. Uh, most of it uh, uh, over the center portion in, in eastern uh, uh, areas of the uh, of the country, the northern areas, a little bit drier, but uh, most of the uh, the producing areas that we watch are, are getting some uh, some form of rain at this point. Uh, on the uh, Argentina side of things, uh, still a little bit on the drier side, but the, they do have some rain that's come across the uh, the center portion of the country where they'd like to see it. So um, no major uh, no major concerns uh, just yet uh, in that area. Uh, going out to the six to ten day forecast. Well, a little bit on the drier side of things for Argentina, but there are still scattered rains that'll uh, that'll help them out. Uh, um, Argentina or Brazil, the northern section of the country uh, looks good. The center section, uh, maybe a little bit on the drier side of things. Southern section still getting uh, good rains. And then looking out to the 11 to 15 day forecast, uh, once again, it, there is rain in, in Argentina. Certain areas are going to get a little more than others, but it's it, uh, it is a little bit heavier, but the problem with the 11 to 15 days is we don't have as high a confidence as we do in the other two uh, forecasts. Brazil getting rain uh, pretty much uh, scattered throughout the entire country, so no major, uh, no major concerns there. And then looking at uh, you know harvest progress right now, how are things still going in uh, Brazil? Well, as we uh, look at uh, harvest and planting, uh, uh, Brazil is ahead of the game. So uh, for soybean harvest, they are at uh, 29%. Five-year average puts them at 24%. Uh, this would also put them well ahead of last year, which was normally, uh, which was 21%. Uh, as we look at the uh, second crop uh, corn plantings, you're looking at uh, 39% uh, planted uh, through last week, and the five-year average puts you at uh, 33%. So again, moving uh, right along and then uh, uh, as they uh, harvest their uh, first corn crop uh, they're sitting at 29 percent that's just one ahead of the five-year average so right in line but uh, still doing very very well uh, some of this is going to be concerns about uh, lower uh, lower yields especially in the uh, soybeans uh, tends to move a little bit faster when you when you are dealing with some drought uh, conditions but uh, uh, it is uh, still uh, as far as we know still a very large crop no failure, but uh, there will be concerns or some thoughts of uh, lower production numbers on uh, future CONAB and uh, USDA data releases. And then uh, we don't have numbers on Argentina, but we do have news from Argentina today of a, a waterway that was blocked off by a barge uh, running uh, onto dry land a little bit or running aground a little bit. Um, you know, what do we have on the, the status there and uh, what are the uh, potential consequences of that? Yeah, so uh, this isn't necessarily a Suez Canal uh, type situation where you get a a, a, sh a vessel that was uh, run aground and and uh, uh, stop things up for for weeks at a time because then you had to divert a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, other ships. But this is a uh, this is a vessel that was carrying wheat, ran aground uh, near the main channel of the uh, the waterway, uh, the, the Paraná waterway in Argentina, and uh, it really kind of stopped things up uh, for about uh, three or four days down there. Uh, they were freed. Uh, they did get that uh, ship uh, uh, moved and uh, out by the uh, the end of the day on, on Monday. 
but they're still they're still dealing with the uh, the cleanup uh, and trying to get uh, get uh, movement uh, out of that uh, area for right now. So as far as anything, it is still a uh, it's still an ongoing uh, situation. It hasn't completely uh, resolved itself yet, but uh, they do have the ship moved now. It's just a matter of uh, getting back to uh, business as usual. If you look at the uh, the markets here today. You saw the gap higher in the uh, soybeans. You saw the corn make its move about uh, four to five cents higher. You also saw the uh, the wheat uh, make a nice move uh, after uh, all of this is kind of brought uh, brought to the attention. So this will be something that uh, yes, it was a uh, a friendly uh, short term story. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a long term uh, bullish story for us. Thank you to Greg McBride of Allendale, always providing great information that time on South America. It's time now to clear out some time for our featured conversation. There's a lot of conversation at Commodity Classic about the importance of carbon intensity scoring and increasing farmer participation. I have a Corn Growers Association, one of the leaders on the issue, according to President Jolene Reeson. So I had a study done here on my farm, and I'm actually... a a negative carbon emitter and and I managed to get to that point by I no-till I use cover crops I have a custom feed yard that we feed cattle in and I utilize that manure as part as my as part of my fertility program the ground is is actually worked very little um, if we can no-till it that's usually what we do always keeping in mind you know the soil erosion carbon capture we just try and do everything that we can to, number one, keep the soil on my farm, number two, to keep the fertilizer on my farm. She says lowering ethanol's carbon intensity score will be key to unlocking the sustainable aviation fuel market, and you can learn more at iowacorn.org. Thank you to all for joining us here today on Iowa Ag Matters. We'll see you tomorrow on the show here on the Iowa Ag Business Radio Network.